Thank you, Joel. That was an awesome word. Thanks, man. Um, and I, okay, so I, I, in my former life, I was a network engineer. So like, um, makes total sense to me when Joel was was sharing with me about um, how how a network is kind of like you know it's it's a net. You know, that's where they get the word network from, you know. And um, for you guys who don't know, you don't have to be like a, a techie nerd to understand this concept. But I mean, when you got these, we actually have one here in the, the church. We have the main hub that's in the, in the office over here. And we, we have like a kind of like a repeater basically right here by Peter. And, um, and, and so basically how a mesh network is set up, you have all of these access points that are getting information from the main hub, who is the Lord, as in this picture here. And we, they actually talk to one another as well. You know, they get information from the hub and they talk to each, each other. So if one of these little hubs gets disconnected from the head, because they're connected to one another, the adjacent uh, repeater basically says, hey, the hub's over here and he's saying this. You know, and isn't that like how the body is supposed to be? You know, we're supposed to be connected. You were designed to be connected to the body of Christ. Just like my finger was designed to be connected to my hand, and if it was disconnected from my hand, it would not live very long, right? It would just kind of shrivel up and look like a nasty mess, right? I know that's a gruesome picture, but that is what happens when we disconnect ourselves from the body of Christ. When we disconnect ourselves from one another, you will shrivel up like my finger would shrivel up if it was disconnected from my hand. And um, it's that serious, you know? So many people think, oh, I don't, I, I have, I'm connected. I, I like talk to this one Christian friend on the phone you know, once a month, we have our prayer time and, you know, and like they think they're part of the body, but the enemy is really deceived them, thinking that they're really connected because they have like maybe one little connection, but they're not connected to the whole. Okay. And there's so many people out there right now like that. I was just talking with a friend of mine the other day. Who got, the Lord was showing me he was just disconnected. And COVID did a number on that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, hey, I'm all about using technology. I'm in the technology field of like watching it online, especially folks who really are immobile. They can't really go places. Um, but we got a lot of people that are not connected to the body because of COVID. And I believe that was one of the, the things the enemy was trying to do through COVID was to d disconnect his body because something greater is coming. And he knew that if he disconnected the body, if he broke the nets, if he broke the network, that the catch would be lost. But guess what? We're not ignorant of his schemes. He's a punk, right? <laughs> we have the Holy Spirit. We've got intel from the third heaven, from, from the throne. We have intel from the throne. We, who, the, the, the Lord who sees the whole picture, right? And um, so I, I was asking the Lord about what he wanted to talk about, because I only want to talk about what he's talking about. And, and uh, 
And he said, I, I really feel like he, he said, Paul, continue to talk about strengthening the nets, strengthening the networks. And that's, that's why I, was, I asked Joel to share, because I mean, it was such an awesome picture the Lord showed him about that, the, the mesh network. And um, for you guys who weren't here a couple months ago, uh, the Lord kind of like downloaded this, this picture from Luke 5, 4. Um, and I'm just going to review it real quick, and then we'll get into it. And Luke 5, 4, starting in verse 4, says, When he had stopped speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water, lower your nets for a hull. All right, Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly, and we caught nothing in our nets. But on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And as their nets were at the point, oh wait, let's say, and as their nets were at the point of breaking, they signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and take hold of them. And they came and filled both boats so that they actually began to sink. All right. So the Lord was speaking to me a couple months back saying, Paul, this is coming. There is a great catch that is coming and that we need to be preparing for it. And that all hands are needed, all hands on deck. I, I just keep getting that same phrase from the Lord, all hands on deck. We need everyone. And, and, for, and we all need to be connected. And specifically, what he was speaking through, to me through this was that, that, that point where they had caught such a huge number of fish that the net itself was at the point of breaking. It was, it was being stretched because there was just such a huge catch of fish. And that the Lord was talking about that that net is us. It's our relationships. It's the body. We are called together the harvest. And... Um, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm a, a, I wouldn't say a scholar by any means, but I love to study about past moves of God. I'm hungry for revival. I, I love reading about God just doing awesome stuff, you know, like a lot of you guys are. And, um, and through my reading about all these instances of moves of God, the Great Awakenings, you know, the healing movements in the 50s, the Azusa Street... I mean, all of these moves brought great stress to the body, okay? Because there was just a huge influx of new believers, of power, the power of God being released on a, just a mind-blowing level, and it challenged the relationships within the body. And... Um, and I feel like God's giving us a little kind of like, hey, Paul, this is coming. It's going to put a strain on relationships. So right now, prepare by strengthening those relationships. And, um, and so anyway, I feel like one of the keys that the Lord was talking to me about uh, practical ways that we can actually strengthen our relationships, because that's such a like, I can just be like, be up here and just kind of leave you guys there. All right, guys, let's strengthen our nets. And then you guys like leave Sunday and it's like, yeah, that, that, we got to strengthen our nets. But you don't really know actually how to do that. There are practical things that we can do. But I, want, I feel like the Lord wants to specifically target one area today of how we can strengthen our nets in preparation for 
um, the, the move of God that is coming. Um, and, and one of those things is being on guard from the division that the enemy brings through accusation. And um, th- this, this might seem like a, uh, well, duh, Paul, obviously we're not going to listen to the punk. But unfortunately, the body, myself included, we are tempted um, probably daily to come in agreement with what the enemy is saying about our brothers and sisters. And um, this is probably the number one way that he brings division. And Jesus said, you know, uh, when, you know, the Pharisees were saying, you know, Jesus, he's casting out demons by a demon and all this stuff. And Jesus basically said, you know, a kingdom divided cannot stand. So, you know, pointing to them that the enemy's kingdom is in unity. And if it is in disunity, it's not going to stand, right? So the enemy knows that. So if he can break our nets, if he can break our relationships, if he can bring division within our body, he knows we will not stand. He knows the nets will break. He knows that the catch will be lost. And um, so one of the things that we really need to be on guard about is, you know, not coming in agreement with the accuser. And um, so we're just going to do some, I just want to do some basic real teaching about it and um, just some practical stuff that we can be on guard about. And, and I know you guys have probably heard messages about this uh, in the past, but I want to encourage you, like, this is kind of like something that we need to be on guard of and reminded of right now. Like, this is like a now thing, okay? Um, so anyways, let's get into it. Um, so right off the bat, obviously, one of the names of the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, right? In Revelations 12, 10, he is, uh, he's, that is one of his names. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And that, the reason is, is he's continually accusing, making accusations against us before God and, and with each other. And one of the ways that we really need to, first off, identify, well, how do we recognize this? How do we recognize his voice? Now, this might seem weird here because, like, you know, most of the time we're teaching about, well, how do you recognize God's voice? You know, we, we've, been, we've been on this kick for a while, especially with the prophetic teams. They're like, okay, how do we accurately, you know, proficiently recognize the voice of the Lord? Um, and it feels kind of weird, to be honest with you. Like, okay, this is how you recognize the enemy's voice. But here's the deal. We need to be able to, to discern the voices. And, you know, one of the, the biggest questions, one of the biggest questions that I get when we do training for the prophetic is, how do you discern what is God's voice? How do you discern what the enemy's voice? And how do you discern what just me? Right? And in order to do that, you kind of have to know how to know what God speaks, how he speaks. You kind of have to know how the enemy speaks. And you have to kind of know how you, you, you speak, your thoughts, you know? And uh, so, anyway... Um, Uh, an awesome picture of this, you know, uh, what an accuser and how accusation brings division is 
Um, how many of you guys and girls know of marriages that are rocky and that are actually like struggling because maybe the mother-in-law or the father-in-law is constantly accusing their daughter or son's spouse. You guys ever heard of any stories of that before? I'm going to make this real here, okay? <laughs> this happens all the time. Through my years of you know, doing ministry and stuff like that, this, is, this has been an actual pattern in a lot of marriages that brings division within the marriage is, is this outside influence constantly accusing and then the, the spouse coming in agreement with the accuser and then actually causing offense to, to take place. Um, man, okay, cool. I wanted to... Give me one second here. I want to just draw a basic picture here. I want to draw a basic picture here just to... Because picture's worth a thousand words, right? And you guys know I'm not a great artist, so please give me some grace. <laughs> Don't make fun of my, my stick figures, right? <laughs> but I just want to go and kind of show you what happens when accusation takes place within a relationship and how the enemy brings it. And just make it simple here, right? So the enemy, when he speaks accusation to us, so you got, ready? I'm going to draw a person here. <laughs> a little smiley face. So when the enemy, when he speaks to us, all right, should I draw little horns on him? I don't know. <laughs> when he's actually speaking to us into our ear, they come to us in the form of thoughts, right? And then we have a choice at this point to either entertain that thought. I'll give him another ear. To actually entertain that thought or to reject it. But a lot of times is what, what happens is that the enemy speaks an accusation about our brother or sister or spouse. And we kind of we don't realize, wait a second, this isn't me speaking, okay? We actually own it a lot of times because we just think it's a thought. Oh, it's from me. This is from me. You don't, does that make sense? We don't recognize that it actually came from an external source. This is key. This is huge. All right? So, like, we speak. He, the enemy speaks to us. We we like uh, we have a choice to like either because let, let's be honest like most of the time we're kind of passive about our thoughts right they're just kind of going through our mind going through our mind and but the Bible tells us to actually to take captive our thoughts and to make it obedient to the to Jesus so but most of the time we just like they just kind of come and they're not just like you guys know this they aren't like this huge blaring like. The enemy says that Armando hates you. You know, it's not like, it's not this, it's, it's very sly, it's very subtle. He actually disguises it as though they're your thoughts. 
that somehow you got to this place of understanding of discernment in your own brain and intellect. Does that make sense? He's a punk. That's how he works. He does, he does not play by the rules, okay? And so when we are kind of like, he tricks us into like thinking uh, that we came to this uh, great understanding of, sorry Armando, I'm picking on you, that Armando, man, he really doesn't like me. He, he's just a hater, you know, or whatever. Something happens, all right? A seed is sown in our heart. That lie is sown into our heart, all right? And all of a sudden, it's watered by more thoughts, by more temptations. All right, so here's the enemy again. I'm going to draw his little horns. Actually, it looks like antennas, but you guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> All right. And he just, he's watering that lie with more lies, with more just this temptation and of more accusations. These are just lies and accusations that he's just pouring out over this seed that you chose to entertain, you chose to believe, and you're actually using your faith this is kind of crazy. You guys might think this is weird, but you can actually use your faith with a lie. Just like you can use your faith with the truth, with the word of God. And so it becomes a reality. This lie becomes a reality in your brain. And as a man thinks, so he acts. So now I had this attitude and an offense starts to grow up. All right, there's my little plant, right? Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Sorry, guys. I can't even drop. All right, ready? Here we go. <laughs> All right, here's some thorns. Those are thorns, guys, okay? Thorns. Right, and there's the... So it grows up into an offense. Oh, sorry, man. I'll get out of the way. Hold on An offense. So it grows up. That seed grows up into an offense. And that offense, eventually it grows up and it begins to bear fruit in your own heart. And we're not talking good fruit. Okay? And I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to try to draw fruit. Okay? But... Um, and what the end result is division. From the very beginning, that is what the enemy's main goal right there is division. Because he knows when, when we're divided, he can kill, steal, and destroy a lot easier than when we're united. Okay? Does that make sense? There's something else I was going to say here. <laughs> forget. Anyway, so, but that's basically the general process of what happens. This same pattern happens every day. The enemy is doing this in all kinds of ways. He's doing it within our families, our natural families. He's doing it within the body of Christ. He's doing it within marriages. He's wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. He does it through dividing and conquering. Okay, so, all right. 
let's get back here. And how many of you guys, this happens a lot with kids. I mean, this happened actually in my own life. Where like, maybe your, your son or your daughter, they get hanging around the wrong type of people, they start befriending the wrong friends. And then those friends actually begin to speak accusations against your parents. And then you start to question your parents' heart towards you and their intent towards you. And you start believing the, lot, the accusations. And then that leads you down a wrong path, right? Usually, unless your parents are truly crazy, you know, or they actually are crazy. But you know what I'm saying? All right. So I'm going to erase this because you guys get it. <laughs> but this is what happens. The accusation. My handwriting's not any better. All right. The accusation turns into an offense. which turns into division. That's the process. Okay, so the key is, if that's what's going on, if that's what the enemy's target is, if he's trying to, to disunify us, if he's trying to break our net and our network together, then how do we recognize the voice of the accuser? All right, we're gonna go through this. Number one. They come to us, this is profound here, listen to this. They come to us as accusations. <laughs> well, you're like, duh, Paul, of course they do. He's, it's the voice of the accuser, right? You know, but this might seem really obvious, but sometimes, you know, like we were saying before, the enemy disguises those accusations trying to, uh, to, to disguise them, thinking that, oh, we came up with that idea, or we came up with that awesome revelation that this person, that Armando's a hater. <laughs> you know, and um, this might seem obvious, but I'm telling you, this happens every day. So, so when, you're, when you're processing or when you're taking captive, let's back up here. Let's, let's, let's talk about uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 because this is kind of like the, this is how we recognize, you know, the voice of the, you know, the accuser. Uh, or no, actually, that's, it's not 2 Corinthians um, 2.11. We'll get to that. Actually, never mind. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. But his voice comes as an accuser. All right, 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive and making them obedient to Christ. So this is key. In order to recognize the voice of the enemy speaking about our brothers, we need to, first off, take our thoughts captive. We actually need to be, before we start believing thoughts, we need to actually take them captive and think about it and make them obedient to Christ. And um, 
and recognize, okay, like a litmus test, okay, is this voice coming to me in a form of accusation? Like I have no proof about this, that this person hates me or this person uh, doesn't like me or whatever, all these thoughts, and, and kind of recognize, okay, this just random thought that's kind of, when I'm thinking about this person comes to me, is this a voice that is accusatory? Does that make sense? I know it's real simple, but this is a litmus test. All right. And here's just an example. Um, a while back when, in college, uh, when I was in college, I was the worship leader for our campus ministry, and I was leading worship one time, and um, I met this new, there was a new guy who came, and uh, he came up to me, or no, no, I saw him, and I came up to him afterwards, just to kind of introduce him, he's a new guy, you know, I was like, hey man, I'm Paul, nice to meet you, blah, 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 and we got in this awesome conversation about the Lord, and we had all of these things that were in common with one another. And he, we, we got to a place so much like of trust with one another. I mean, crazy stuff, like prophetic stuff. Like we were things, you know, we, 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 knew each, we knew that we were supposed to be connected with each other. He says to me, you know, when I first saw you leading worship, I thought you were so full of pride and I didn't like you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dang, ouch, you know. But he was like, man, I'm sorry. I, that, was, that, that was the enemy. And, um, and I, just, I just apologized. He, he asked, you know, for forgiveness or whatever. And, you know, we did like, uh, we were connected in ministry. We did uh, worship outreaches in the ghetto of Baltimore City. If you guys know Baltimore, I mean, we were in the ghetto. We're like one of my friends who lived down there. Like, uh, I remember I was, I was uh, going to his house at night, okay? That, that was the first mistake. And I pull up to his house. I mean, and there are these row houses, you know, and they, most of them look like they're abandoned or burned out, but people actually live in these things. And, like, I pull up, and I'm like, and I'm, there's this dude, like, in the alleyway in between these two row houses, uh, sections of row houses, and, and he was like really shady looking. And I was like, man, I better get in the house quick. And I'm like kind of knocking on the door. Come on, man, open the door. And then I get inside and, and I'm like, man, there's some dude like, like just hanging out. He's shady right next to you. You're going to call the police? Or He's like, oh, no, man, that's just, that's just Billy. <laughs> I don't remember his name, but he says, oh, yeah, that's just Billy. He's, he's our neighborhood crack dealer. <laughs> I mean, it was like that bad. Like, you know, it was just so obvious. The police didn't even come down there most of the time. And we would do these worship outreaches. Heather remembers this, like out in the middle of this whole thing. And just, it was crazy. But we were called to do that. I was called to do that with, this, with my friend here. But the enemy, he knew we were supposed to be connected. And at the very beginning, he began to sow accusation and division at the very beginning. And I'm saying that to challenge you guys some of the people that you are supposed to be connected with, you're divided with them because you have an offense in your heart because you entertained accusation. And this might have even happened uh, your first impression of the person. That was, this guy didn't know me. My friend didn't know me at all. It was just like first impression. Oh man, he's full of pride. I don't want anything to do with that guy. 
you know, and instantly divide. If I hadn't gone up to him and talked to him and we didn't connect like that, he, we would have probably have stayed in, in division and not seen the fruit that came out of us joining and doing ministry together. Does that make sense? So I encourage you, man, this has happened over and over in my life. People that I am supposed to be in relationship with, that God has a partnership plan with, that he'll actually, that there's a, a temptation to have an offense towards that person to stay in, stay in division. And you know, I think it's a test from the Lord. I think he does that and allows that to test our hearts to see if we're ready. Are we going to pass the test of forgiveness? Are we going to judge by our natural senses? Or are we going to judge by what the Holy Spirit is saying about this person? And when we fail, that's okay. You're just not, it's like the Lord, you're not ready yet, but guess what? You get to take the test again. <laughs> it's weird how God works. He's different than us, you know? Anyway, that, that's for somebody out there. There's people that who you are connected, who you were supposed to be connected with. There are some of you, I'm going to even go this far. There are some of you who are not in stepping in the fullness of your calling because you got offended with the person that you're supposed to be connected with. Somebody in here, that, that's for you. And you're kind of sidelined right now. And until you pass this test and until you get over this offense, until you get over any kind of accusation of, of your brother, you're going to stay parked. You're going to be on the, you're, gonna not, you're not going to fulfill what God's called you to do. All right. I got tons of stories about this because the Lord loves to offend our heart to reveal what's in, what's, what's actually in our heart. And he does it through a lot of times through people, right? <laughs> um, all right. Number two, a lot of times with how the enemy brings accusation is that uh, he distorts what was actually said. And, and sometimes I wonder about this. You know, he's called the, the ruler of the kingdom of air, you know. Sometimes, like the air between people, I feel like somehow, like my communication goes, the enemy comes in the air, kind of distorts it, and it hits that person's ear different than I said it. Has anybody ever experienced that? That's just a theory. It's not biblical. I'm just saying. But I do believe that, like, a lot of times, the enemy will take our words, and you actually, even yourself, the enemy will take the words that you're hearing and he'll distort them in your mind because you're seeing them through a filter sometimes. You're hearing them through in a filter. And especially if there's bitterness in your heart. If there is bitterness in your heart, the enemy will have a heyday with you and what people are speaking to you because it's going through that filter of bitterness. You ever talk to a bitter, bitter person? It's like walking around eggshells because they take everything that you say and they distort it and they make it about themselves and you trying to hurt them or harm them or reject them in some way. Anyways, that's what the, how the enemy does it, okay? That's a one way to like discern or, or to recognize him speaking. Gosh. Uh, number three, 
And uh, this happens a lot of times either through lack of communication. And, you know, a lot of times it happens through, like, texting and emailing. <laughs> Man, how many of you guys have got, received a text message from somebody that you maybe don't know that well, and you just kind of like, oh, that was weird, and that's kind of harsh. Is anybody, am I the only one who's ever got, and I had that thought? <laughs> well, what did he mean by that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, texting and email is the worst. You, can, you can't really read people's tones and all kinds. There's so much offense that takes place with texting and emailing. Um, anyway, so, uh, th- but that's something to be on guard with. You're going to get text messages from people that you're connected with in the body, and you're going to have a temptation to get offended at it. Like, what do you mean by that? And maybe they just aren't very good with words <laughs> or whatever. Maybe they just like were texting while they were driving, which you should not be doing, by the way. And um, but anyways, or, you know, auto, autocorrect. That, that, that's uh, another story right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. You know, that they are, really are. I mean, I believe the enemy will take our words and they will, he will distort them and then he'll cause us to question our heart for one another. So we need to be on guard with that. And when you find yourself kind of like going down that road, and you guys know what I'm talking about, those, that road of your thought pattern of like when you receive a weird text or you somebody didn't say hi to you uh on sunday morning and and you go down that road of what if that person doesn't like me what what did i do to them all these like that's the enemy recognize it from the from the beginning because here's, here's the bottom line. Even if they were offended at you and that's why they didn't say hi to you, who cares? Don't get trapped where you're starting to grow his fruit in your heart because you got offended. Forgive. Okay. Anyway. Um, so also recognize the fruit of these thoughts that are coming. Are, and here's, here's your litmus test for this. What is the fruit out of this thought road that you're taking with you know, accusations or whatever the thoughts that are coming to your mind? Are they encouraging relationship? Or are they leading you to separating relationship? Key. This is key here. Now, I'm not talking about like your neighborhood drug dealer or something like that. Like... Or people you know you're not supposed to be in yoked with, you know, uh, in close friendship. I'm talking about the body here. I'm talking about your family here. Are those thoughts, are those revelations about how that person's thinking towards you, are they producing good fruit? Are they producing relationship or are they producing division? That right there should be, you should be done. I should just be like in the message right now. Because that is your key motivate or key litmus test for recognizing the punk's voice. Okay? Are they producing resentment towards that person? If that is, stop. Take that thought captive. Recognize this is the enemy. I'm starting to grow, something's starting to grow in my heart. All right. Are they producing suspicion and mistrust? These are all fruits 
of the enemy. If you start getting like conspiracy theory about how this person hates you and he's out to get you and all this, if you start going down that road, recognize, whoa, 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 this is the enemy speaking to me. I'm going to take this thought captive and I'm going to make it submit to the name of Jesus. It's not going to have any control over me or my behavior towards this person. So, and here's big deal. Suspicion and discernment are not the same thing. Okay? A lot of us, we call what is spiritual discernment, it really is suspicion. And what we call suspicion sometimes is spiritual discernment. I'll be honest with you. It's tough to recognize the two. I'll just be straight up with you. Sometimes, you know, but here's, but we, but that's okay. I think God maybe designed that because it causes us to do one thing. Well, it, it should cause us to do one thing, and that is to get closer to him. God, I don't know. I'm getting this weird thing that seems a, a, accusatory about this person or is negative about this person, but I know that I don't want to be in agreement with the voice of the accuser, so you need to help me discern here, is this from you or is this from the enemy? It's causing you to press in in relationship. And if that is your, is that, if that's your natural reaction, you're on the right path. Okay? So just because you get something, and I'll be honest, because especially we're a very prophetic church. We love the prophetic, but the prophetic can go down this road. It has in other ministries, and it's very destructive. And we just need to be on guard with, about it. But it's real easy to like protect ourselves, get close to him, hear his heart for that person. Because I guarantee if you start praying, Lord, I'm getting this weird thing about this person. It's not positive. And, but what is your heart about it? What do you say about it? What's your heart about this person? I mean, these are practical prayers. This is how I, I'm, I pray this stuff. Lord, I'm getting this weird thing about this person. And I don't know if it's the enemy. I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Prophecy speaking through me, showing me something. And you know, a lot of the times, if it is the Lord, he'll show, he's, he'll show me, all right, yeah, it's me. And this is how I want you to help set that person free from this. There's always a redemption. Well, maybe not always. Okay, let's, I'm going to be straight with you. Sometimes there isn't. But a lot of times there is redemption on the other side of that negative word or, or dis, discernment that you receive from the Holy Spirit. His heart is for people. Does that make sense? So you might get a, a negative word about somebody and that they actually maybe are like, hating you or whatever, but you take it to the Lord and you say, Lord, like, is this you? And he's like, yeah, that person does hate you, Paul. <laughs> but this is what I want you to do for that person. I want you to serve that person. I want you to love that person. I want you to invest in that person. I want you to start praying for this person. That's, you know what the enemy says? <laughs> No, don't pray for him. <laughs> he is damned to hell. Excommunicate him from the whole body. You know, come on now. These are thoughts. And you all think them. Don't get me We all think them. But it's not us. 
Most of the time, it's not us. That's the key. It's the accuser. All right. Gosh, um, this might be maybe part two, but uh, let me let me see, Lord, where you want to go with this. Let's see. Um, all right. Let me let me let me uh, hit on this next point, and I think uh, I think the Lord wants to do some stuff. Are you feeling anything? Okay. All right. All right. So this is number five. How to recognize him, okay? Recognize that he can speak through other people as well, okay? He doesn't necessarily all, all the time like talk, you know, in our thoughts, thought life. He also talks through other people around us. Recognize those people. Don't be one of those people. Seriously, I'm pleading with you, don't. Proverbs six seventeen said there are six things that the Lord hates. Guess what one of them is? That's right. A person who stirs up conflict within the community. He hates that. God hates that. Man, I do not want to be on that list. of the, I don't want to be doing any of those things that he hates. Titus 3, 9, 11. This is New Testament here. This is New Covenant here, all right? I'm not going to hold back. As for a person who stirs up division after warning them once, then twice have nothing to do with them. He's talking about believers here. This is serious. This is me here. Romans 16, 17 says to watch out for those who cause divisions and to actually avoid them. Okay. We are called to be sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. You know, Jesus calls those that are in agreement with what the enemy says, he calls them children of the devil. Ouch. <laughs> you know, it's, a John, it's in John 8, 4. You know, he calls those who do what the devil desires children of the de devil. And he, then he goes on to say that the devil's native tongue is lying, constantly lying. So when we come in agreement and we begin to share and to spread the lies that we hear from the enemy, we, be careful. <laughs> Jesus calls those people children of the devil. Ouch. That's not who you are. That's not who I am. We are sons. We are daughters. We are led by the Spirit of God. And... Uh, you know, because this, this can really happen. I'll, I'll kind of, I think I'm going to wrap this up. I hate ending it on the, the negative, but uh, <laughs> there is redemption to this message, I promise you. <laughs> Come back for part two. <laughs> you know, don't you love how, like, you know, watch The Mandalorian, like, you, like, binge watch or something like that, and they, and, and they leave you in this cliffhanger? That's what I'm doing with you right now. I hate when they do that. But no... And, you know, the Lord can show you these things. I remember um, years back, Heather and I, uh, we were praying for our, a friend of ours who was a pastor, just praying for them, praying for their ministry. And um, 
just just saying, you know, Lord, like we wanted to see God move in their church and all this stuff. We were just praying for them. Uh, and and all of a sudden, Heather, I might butcher this a little bit, so correct me, Heather, if I get this wrong. But I remember, remember Heather saw, had this picture from the Lord prophetically here of uh, these three kind of weird, ugly creatures, wasn't it? Wasn't it like, you don't remember this? Okay, okay. Well, I'll remind you about it. And they were weird, and they were people, but I think they were kind of distorted. One had like a really long nose, and one person had like really ugly ears, or I don't know, something weird. And these three kind of demonic kind of things. And... Um, and she's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that is, you know, da, da. and uh, and we were asking our Lord, what do we do with this, you know? Uh, so we ended up, we felt like it was the Lord, and it wasn't, it wasn't a positive word here, you know what I mean? But we, well, we we took that word and we just we took it to the Lord. Remember what I said, like, like take it to the Lord, but Lord, what is your heart here? Who, what is this you or is this the voice of the accuser? Because we felt like it was three people within the body. This body of this this uh, pastor we were friends with, and um, so we felt like we were supposed to share it with the with the pastor, and uh, we did. And the guy and the pastor is like, "Oh my gosh, there are three individuals within this body. They're a group, and they hang out together, and they've been sowing division within our body for a while now." And um, and it was almost like the Lord was kind of saying, you know, watch out for these folks. And at the same time, like, be careful about those. They were, they were actually, they were distorted and it was like demonic. That like when we engage in this stuff w- within our body, it's like we really are kind of partnering with the enemy. And it's ugly. I mean, that was, I, that's the one thing I remember about the picture. I was like, that's crazy. Like she was describing these pictures of this thing. She didn't, I knew she didn't come up with this thing, but it was ugly. And I feel like that's how the father sees that when he sees division within his family. It's ugly to him. And it breaks his heart. And, um, and I feel like uh, he just wants us to be on guard about it, especially in this season. And I do have a part two of this, have how do we proactively, you know, guard against this and we'll do I'll do it another time. But I, I really believe the point is that the Lord wants to share today for us is this man, don't believe every thought that comes into your mind that is from you. Bring it and if you do have accusation towards your brother, bring it to the Lord. Don't allow offense to grow and division to sprout from that. And all the fruit of bitterness and all this other stuff. Does that make sense? Because this is going to keep our nets strong and it's actually going to strengthen our nets. And you know, when we get past offenses, because guess what? You get close to anybody, guess what? You're going to get offended with them at least once. I'm going to tell you that. You guys know this. But if you overcome the offense through love and humility and forgiveness... Your net is stronger than when it began. So guess what? You're going to get offended. I'm going to get offended. But it's how we, do we allow it to separate us, to divide us, or do we allow it to strengthen us 
and let our nets get stronger. Okay. Yeah. You know, the scripture says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. Just let that settle for a minute. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. You know how when stuff happens and your first response is to flee, to run, you get a conflict, you get an offense, you run, you're seeking your own protection. You're not having a heart for the Lord's purpose in the relationship or the other person. I have made it my mind, I made up my mind. I do not have permission from God to shut a door to a relationship. Now, I can keep people at bay when they, because when they're unhealthy, when they, when they refuse to, but there's always that open door of redemption. And offense, man, this was so timely. I mean, this is such a, a right-on word. And I, the Lord is trying to prepare us and strengthen us so that we're ready for the harvest. And this is so, 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 so important. But there, I did a message on, in, on February 13th. It was kind of like the Valentine's Day message. It was talking about, I think the title was like confidence, growing in confidence through God's love or something like that. One of the most important messages I felt like the Lord's given me, and it's something that's changed my life, but it, it's on how when we are properly loved, experientially knowing the love of God for ourselves, it helps end a lot of this because we're no longer seeking validation from one another. When you, when you, offense often happens when our heart is um, needing something from that person. And when we're needy people and we don't get what we think we need, you know, and we start attacking one another and just being upset. And we're, we're, we're just like, we're, and then we go and we complain about what our offense because we're wanting someone to, to still validate us. So we keep telling the offense over and over again. So someone will finally say, oh, I see what you mean. You're, you're, you're right. And, 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 and what we're really looking for is, is security and love and validation. Anyhow, I encourage you, if you've not heard it, listen to it. If you have heard it, listen to it again. Really, I mean, it's that port, and it's a tag team to what Paul's sharing. So, that's that's um, that is a right on word. I was in the back praying. Paul asked me this before. He was like, "What what are you getting for the service?" Me and Lonnie were in the back, and we were praying, and the Lord showed me that He was strengthening joints, and I felt like it had to do with the body. And then, and then he, so he asked me when he came in, what are you getting? And I told him, and he started laughing because he, he knew what he was going to speak on. And now I can see how the Lord really is, has highlighted this message for us. We need to take this serious. How many people do you know that are not sitting in a seat today because they got offended at somebody here? I mean, come on. I, I mean, you see them come and you see them go. And, and, and you know who's hurting? All of us. That person's hurting because he's just separated himself from the, from the body. And we're hurting because they were called to be here. No, um, <laughs> I do feel like there is, uh, I feel like the Lord is, is wanting to do some healing here. You know, I was so encouraged during worship. Um, thank you guys, worship team. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate you guys. And that includes Peter. That includes Claire. You know, all the people who are helping facilitate us to encounter the Lord together. And um, there was something on that about, like, the river. There's, there is a river. 
you know, it's like, it's Revelation 22. It says, you know, that, that in the, um, from the throne of God and the Lamb flows a river, and it's called the river of life, the wa- river that is filled with the water of life, and that on either side of the banks, these trees grow and the healing, and there's the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And I don't know if you guys, I mean, I was picturing this even, and I was kind of seeing it, that there is a river. Like, I felt like there was just kind of like this little river that was coming in this morning. And I felt like it was for healing, first off. Um, but I also believe it, you know, it speaks of the presence of God, that wherever the Lord shows up, there's life. And life cancels death. It gobbles it up. You know, it, it displaces it. And that, that's talking about death in the form of sickness, in the form of, like, demonic oppression. It's like trumping anything that the enemy is trying to do. When life, when the river of God comes, when his presence comes, the river of his Holy Spirit, it just takes over. There's no fighting. It's like, literally, when the Lord showed me a picture of, like, when, uh, of this... Uh, you guys ever see when they're when they're redoing like roads and stuff, and there are these massive like uh, steamrollers. You ever seen those? I saw this picture of one one time in the Lord, and I was like, "Lord, what in the world?" It's like when my kingdom comes, it demolishes everything in its path. There's no fighting, and, I, and I, he had to like kind of jar my idea, my think, my thought process of this. When, uh, with a huge steamroller just demolishing stuff. And I, I feel like we are in the... I always want to encourage you. This is the one, one thing. I want to encourage you guys. Let's continue to go after him in worship. I know some of this stuff might be new to you. Like we're kind of waiting around in worship and they're not really singing anything. That's the time for you to be engaging the Lord personally in your own song, in your own prayer, just talking to him, Lord, just and waiting and watching. Lord, what are you doing right now in our service? Because we guess what? We need all of us to be, not just Travis and I and the worship team. We don't, not just us seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing, but us as a body. Lord, what are you doing right now? We want to see what you're doing. I encourage you guys in those quiet times when we're waiting, be asking, be praying, Lord, what are you doing right now? We want to follow your spirit more than anything else. You know, the Lord, was, he's been talking to me over the past couple of weeks that if we make that the main thing, if we prioritize what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our services or anytime we get together, when we literally are like walking sensitive to what the Holy Spirit loves, what he wants, we are going to see the Lord show up in such a way that there is going to be a rumor that Jesus is in our house. Mark 2. So I just want to encourage you first off with the worship stuff. Thank you, worship team. There is a river coming. It reminded me of like, uh, I don't know, like I told you, I'm a revivalist. Like I love hearing and reading about uh, there's a documentary on um, the Brownsville Revival. And that pastor, that Kilpatrick, I forget his name for John, John Kilpatrick, he said when it all broke out, when he, he didn't feel anything, he actually didn't even want to be there on that service. <laughs> he wasn't preaching or whatever. But he said when 
uh, Steve Hill prayed for him. He was, Steve Hill was going around praying for everybody. Everybody was getting like demolished in the spirit in a good way. <laughs> um, when he got touched, he said it was like this river, like just came and just swept him up his feet and just fell out. And he was out for hours. But that was the river of God. And I feel like it's coming to our, our body, our church here. And I felt it this morning. So I want, I'm, I'm telling you guys so to, for us to partner together because we need all hands on deck. We don't just wait for the worship leader to tell us where to go, you know, and all. Like, engage the Lord for yourself. Because most of the time, you're going to be getting the same thing they're getting. You're going to find yourself singing songs that they begin singing, or, you know, and we're going to, it's this unity. When we come in unity with one another, we're going to go so much higher than we could ever go in our quiet times in our bedroom. I love my quiet time with the Lord. It is the most valuable thing to me, you know, me and the Lord. But, but there's something special about us coming together, this net coming together and experiencing the Father. He, it's like he shows up on a greater measure because it brings him such pleasure. He loves his kids when they play nice together. <laughs> Just like I love when my kids are playing nice, right, guys? <laughs> but uh, I do fully, I do believe there is healing. Uh, ministry team, if you guys could come on up, we're. In